Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. On this special episode, episode 9, we had the privilege of speaking with GoRoute founder and CEO, Mike Raleigh. Mike takes us through the story of GoRoute from its inception through its growth and expansion into the football technology marketplace. One of the most innovative products on the market today, GoRoute has the ability to greatly improve the efficiency and effectiveness of practice and preparation on an immediate basis. At the same time, it remains accessible and flexible to coaches and players. Join us today as we hear the story of GoRoute and learn how you can bring GoRoute to your program for the upcoming football season and beyond. For more information, go to GoRoute's website at www.goroute.com. And for all future podcasts and our blogs updated weekly on Sundays, go to our website at igfootballcoach.com. We are here today with Mike Rowley. Introduce yourself to our listeners and talk a little bit about your background. Yeah, so uh, I'm Mike Rowley, founder and CEO uh, at GoRoute. Um, we've been a, we've been a business now since 2014. Have had uh, our product in the market since 2016. And uh, I'm originally born from uh, born in Chicago, Illinois, um, on the south side, and uh, have a beautiful family at home and, and uh, love going to work every day because I get to do the two greatest things in the world. And that's talk with football coaches and work, watch football and talk about football all day long and, and mesh that with technology. And in my opinion, there's just no two better things aside from deep, deep dish pizza. <laughs> Couldn't agree more coach. Uh, well, you were a multi-sport athlete yourself back in high school. And can you tell our listeners a little bit of like, what it was like to growing up and playing football in Chicago and, and maybe um, tell us a little bit about your successes that you had? Yeah, so it was it was a lot of fun. Obviously, there's a lot of great players that come out of the Chicagoland area every year. And, uh, uh, you know, our team was chock full. I think our our senior year football team, we had five Five guys signed Division One uh, scholarships. Um, a few others uh, go on to play uh, at the FCS level and, and D two, D three. Um, so you're always playing against a lot of other guys that are that are very competitive, and, and the teams are always really, really strong. And you know, one of the things that really stuck out to me um, now looking back on it is. There, a lot of the guys that I played with, we're very much, we're all very similar in terms of in terms of types of personality and makeup, and they're just hardworking guys and you know blue collar guys, and you know they really were, you know we really wanted to to, to win. We just wanted to win football games, and and in, in the Chicagoland area, if you don't have that type of commitment, uh, your team's gonna get pounded every Friday night. There's a lot of good players out there. Um, from a personal perspective, I had the opportunity to go on and play in college. Go, I had some offers to go play um, college football. Some Mac schools um, had offered me, but I was also uh, equally um, a good baseball player, and uh, I chose the baseball route um, instead. So out of high school, I went and played um, at a school, University of Dayton in Ohio, and um, from there, I had the opportunity to, to play for a small bit of time in the Cleveland Indian organization. Um, and then after that, I got out and I, I became a scout and a, and a professional coach, um, you know, in, in, in some of the Major League Baseball organizations. And so I, I, I've touched a lot of different levels of, of sports, whether it be high school or, 
or the professional level. I, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of experiences there. And, and one of the, the one thing that makes guys successful, whether you're at the high school level and you're a freshman or you're a coach or you're in business, it, it, the same mindset is true is that the guys that get up and go to work every day with a long-term goal and a short-term plan seem to make it the most, seem to be the most successful. Um, I, I run into a lot of guys day in and day out that are like, Oh, you know, in high school, we're going to win a state title. Yeah. But there, there's 364 days in between before from today and when that state title can happen. So what are we doing for those other 364 to achieve that, that, that title on 365. And one of the things that I've tried to employ a lot in my own personal career, whether it be as an athlete or, or in, or in business has been have that long-term mindset, know where you want to go and have a clear vision of what that looks like. But then at the same time, also be able to understand that every single day you have to take a smaller step. And if you can take another step towards that goal, you know, it does seem like it's a long ways away, but if you achieve what you wanted to get done that day, then, then you're, you were successful in your short-term plan. And you can go to bed at night saying, hey, today was a success. And the more successes you build up over the course of days, weeks, months, years, um, whether you're an athlete and you achieve your goals of playing in the NFL or NBA or whatever sport it might be, or in business, which is you know satisfying customers and making sales and being able to provide for your family, um, you know, all of those things, if you have that long-term approach and that short-term plan, uh, I think that's a great recipe for success. And it's something that I've been employing a good portion of my life that was taught to me by my father. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that growing up in Chicago was really great to see that because there were so many guys that got up and grinded like that every day. And uh, it's, it's really paid dividends for me, both professionally and personally. Mike, let's go back a little bit and talk about you, you. You have a great background, and it's it's in a lot of different areas. Tell us about your days as a high school coach and where you coached, what you, what sports you did coach, and what lessons you've taken from just the coaching side of things in your career. Yeah, so, oh, man, I've coached at the youth level. I've coached at the high school level, the varsity level. Um, I was a, a pitching coach, so and I, when I coached football, I was a pitching coach and quarterbacks coach at a, a private school in Waukesha, Wisconsin, a place called Catholic Memorial. I uh, was there for one season, and then I was uh, a quarterbacks coach at uh, Joliet Central, Joliet Township, uh, for a year as well in the south side of Chicago. And, um, for, you know, and then in the, from the baseball side, I was at uh, Michigan State in eastern Illinois, and what I've taken away from all of those different experiences is that whether you're talking with a, with a, with an eight year old and you're trying to talk about how to, how to pitch, or you're talking with a junior quarterback, or you're talking with a kid who just got drafted and he's now in a ball in the minor leagues, there, there's one universal truth to that. And that is you got to keep it so simple that they can see it in their own head. Everything that you do you know, you have to be so clear in how you explain things. And, and, and that's something that I've taken away from a, a lot of that. And, I, and I, I'm still working on today, even as a business owner, is, is how do you clarify your message, whether it's to your employees or your customer or, or in your marketing or if you're, you're trying to get, you know, this, junior, this sophomore or this junior quarterback to, you know, to understand how to read a defense or look at an alignment or 
or or how what it really means to read the uh, the, the the strong side end, um, or you know why it's important to to focus on fundamentals. That communication piece is so critical, and you know sometimes I think that the eight year olds pick it up almost better in a lot of instances of some of these some of these juniors and seniors that I've worked with. Um, simply because there's just so, so much less complexity in their lives. They, they're just able to absorb. But communication has been the absolute key to everything that I've done at the coaching profession and, and in business to date. And what I've learned is that from communication, a communication perspective, it's never about me. It's about the person I'm talking to. What do I need to do to relay that message so they clearly understand it? Is it using technology? Is it using a different type of verbiage? Is it pictures? Is it simple videos? Is it hand gestures? What is it? Because every individual consumes information differently. And as a coach, it's your job to understand and, and hone in on each individual's learning style and each individual's communication style. Because if you're just communicating one way, then you're only talking to a certain percentage of your players. And in my instance, you know, from, from a business perspective, there's a reason all these different tools are out there, right? Podcasts, social media, videos, um, on-site demonstrations, in-person sales calls, phone calls, web demos. All these different tools are available to obviously for convenience, but also because people consume information differently. And as a coach, your number one job isn't to be the best coach on the field. Your number one job is to be the best communicator on the field. Because if you can communicate, then you can get that individual to understand what you need them to do or how to change something so they can do what they're trying to do better. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the end goal, whether you're trying to get them to throw a better spiral or you're trying to get them to line up right or you're trying to get a potential customer to understand what your product does a little bit more clearly from a marketing perspective. It's all about that succinct communication. And, and that's always been something that, um, you know, I'm always working. On. I don't think you're ever perfect at it, but it, you know, that as, that's what I took away from coaching more than anything is the power of communication is so, so critical. Mike, I think that's great perspective on, on looking at the coaching uh, profession and just looking at how do we reach one another and reach our, our youth or the next generation. I think you had a lot of good information there and it really, like you can see how it's translated throughout all of your experiences and how it's made you successful. So I, I really enjoy listening to that. Uh, but we're going to shift the gears here a little bit and we're going to start focusing a little bit more on uh, your product, which is go route. So um, for yeah. our audience here, who's maybe never heard of go route or, or learned about it, could you introduce us to your product and what its purpose is? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we were just talking about communication. Well, our product is a communication tool. It's another type of communication where um, our technology is focused on transmitting scout team, at least right now, currently scout team information, scout team cards, uh, play diagrams, digitally to players on the field. So, uh, you know, as any football coach knows, you know, the, the, the toughest part of a practice isn't when you're in Indy. It isn't work, you're getting, your stre getting stretched out. It isn't even during some of your individual periods. It's when you get to team and you want to go tempo. You want to get your defense a look at goes tempo. 
and you got to have all these guys come back and look at a scout card. And that whole process, <laughs> the whole monotony of having to come back and look at paper is, you know, it just slows everything down, right? And you, and you have people trying to iterate all over the place. You have, you know, you have double barrel huddles and you have, you know, two or three or four coaches now out there holding cards. And, you know, you're just trying to relay that information. And what our technology is, what it does at its core is it's a simple display. Um, it, it's very similar to like, you know, your smartphone, except it's about a million times dumber. It's literally just a receiver. And that display allows the coach, whoever's going to run the scout team for that day, to build out his script and our software and simply hit send from our mobile app and transmit those play diagrams to each of the, each of the players individually so they don't have to come back to a huddle to look at a scout card. They can stay on the line of scrimmage. They get a little vibration from the device that tells them that there's a new play to look at. As long as they can read X, Y, Z, uh, quarterback or running back or whatever, the, however you label your card, um, they see exactly what they're supposed to do based on the card that you've sent in. And you're able to keep the pace of practice now going at a pace that it can be faster, significantly faster than what teams are able to run in a game. Um, the fastest teams in the country, you know, your Chip Kelly offenses at Oregon when he was there, right? We're only able to get a rep off about every 18 to 19 seconds in game. So we have teams that on, on average are running a rep every 11 to 13 seconds in practice with scout players. I mean, they're just blazing fast. And the reason that's really important is one, it keeps the player's attention, right? I mean, we talked about the communication piece. What our tool does is it speaks to this generation. You have to remember that a majority of the kids that are in high school now haven't spent their, you know, their recognizable lives in a world where the iPhone or iPad hasn't been a relevant part of their day-to-day -day living. That's what they've experienced their entire life. They grew up in a digital environment. And to have them come back and stand around for a minute, minute and a half, stare at a card, listen to somebody explain what they're doing, just to turn around and go back to the line of scrimmage and forget 20 seconds later what they just heard is a pretty common feat or a pretty common thing that happens across a lot of programs. The digital display, the interactivity, the one-to-one -one communication that a coach can do by hitting a single button, but now he's communicating with 11, 22, or, you know, at our FBS partners, sometimes 50 guys at a, at a one-time talk or one-time button push um, allows the, that communication piece just to happen more rapidly. And the faster you can communicate, the faster you can get more done. That means that you're getting more, more reps, more time done in, the, in a shorter period of time, and it really, it really allows that pace of practice to continue. Mike, I think everything you're saying is spot on. And Brian and I are just sitting here nodding back and forth at each other in 100% agreement with everything you're saying. And, and it's, yeah, you're 100% you're right. Um, let's talk a little bit about the connections you've made with businesses and some of the investors that you've had since you've launched GoRoute, maybe how it started in, in its infancy and, and where you're at now with it. Yeah, so... You know, I, I think we have a very unique story. I, I think the way our, our business kind of got started is interesting. Um, so I, 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 by nature, am a tinkerer. I, I like to do things and build things and play with things. 
And um, we, my wife and I decided we were going to leave Chicago. I got out of coaching and we were living in Chicago and uh, she wanted to move closer to home. We started having kids. And I had a small consulting business that I was running at the time. And I was kind of getting burned out by being on the road after I got done with coaching. I was traveling, you know, five days a week. I was, you know, gone, you know, three and a half to four weeks a month. So pretty much all the time. And I want, I just needed to change the pace. And so I, I, I sold that business and we moved up to uh, where we live now in Rochester, Minnesota. And my wife's like, well, you need to take some time and just, just figure out what you want to do. And so I started tinkering and I started building all these small little gadgets and gadgets. Um, I built a door, not a door ringer that when you came up to it, it, it recognized who you were. And when you walked into the house, it played a theme song for you, um, <laughs> which was kind of cool. Yeah, and, um, but it was all these like small little half projects that I had built and it was driving my wife nuts. She's like, Hey, I, I she's like, we moved up here to get you in the house. Now I really can't, keep you in the house. I can't stand you being around all the time. <laughs> go find a hobby, go do something else. Um, and, and I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do next. So I took a job driving limo and, you know, in Rochester, Minnesota is home of the world famous Mayo clinic. And I was driving people back and forth from mini from um, the Minneapolis airport back to Rochester to go to the clinic back and forth. And I just started talking to people and bouncing ideas off of them. And a good friend of mine at the time was a junior college football coach uh, here in Rochester at their junior college. And um, I called him up and I said, Hey, I'm going to come on over to practice and just hang out. I wanted to get around football and just, and just kind of take in, you know, some time and, and see what they were doing. And, you know, and I saw that they were doing the same things in 20, 2014 that we were doing back in 1995 and 96. They're still huddling up they're still coming back and looking at paper. And I, and I asked my friend, I'm like, what? Like, there's gotta be something out there that's better than this. And he goes, no, there, there isn't like, this is, this is what it is. I'm like, Oh my Lord. Okay. (laughs) There's gotta be something. So I started doing some digging and while I'm driving people back and forth, I am literally pitching people ideas. Like I'm just sitting there and I'm using it as my own little individual shark tank. And, um, one of the gentlemen that I happened to run into at the time was the former CEO at Motorola. And we struck up a, we struck up a, a good conversation. He was a former uh, minority owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And so we had a baseball connection and uh, you know, we started, we had a good conversation on, on our first trip. Well, I, I got him again on the second, on a second trip on the way back. And I requested him from the limo company. I said, I want to drive this guy again. And when I drove him, I said, hey, I got this idea for this digital product for football that allows the players to not have to come back to a huddle. He's like, oh, I love the idea. And he goes, when you get a prototype built, give me a call. I said, all right, cool. A couple months go by, and I'm at home, and I'm learning how to do this stuff, and I've built a a demo, and, and I've got it running on this old laptop that, Literally, I am not joking when I say this. I when I try this demo out, if it worked two out of five times, it was a good day. Like it was not not gonna. It was not a good product to start with. And I but I had it working, kinda. So I called him up and I said, "Hey George, I got a demo. If when next time you're in Rochester, he goes, well, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona right now. 
He says, I'll see you in a couple hours. And he hopped on his jet and he flew into the Rochester, Rochester airport. And he said, meet me out there when I land and show me your demo. So I went out there and I'm, and I'm praying to God. Today is one of those two out of five times. <laughs> and I get out to the airport and I turn it on and it works. And I show him the demo and he goes, I love it. I love that you created something out of nothing. And he goes, what do you think it's going to cost to get it started? And I said, well, let's start with $300,000 and see where it goes. And he wrote me a check on the spot. Wow. Um, yeah, it just absolutely amazing. And then from there, I did what any normal entrepreneur would do. Um, I called my wife and I told her that, you know, we got an investment and it was great, but now I needed to actually build the product. And I really didn't have a real clear idea on how to do that. So um, I bought a plane ticket and I flew to China. And I lived in I lived in China for 90 days, um, bouncing around to different factories, talking with people about how to put this together, and um, got my initial prototype built uh, on the line from our current manufacturer um, inside of 90 days. And we were able to get it out and start demoing it and sampling it for teams. Um, back in uh, back in 2015, we had like a beta a very small like testing environment to learn about it. And then we put it out in 2016 in beta. And then 2017, we went with our first version. And I'm really happy to say at 2018, we're in our second version of the technology already. Wow. That's just, that's a great story. Um, I would have never expected all those different places that you've met or gone to and all the different people that you met. I mean, that's, that's an incredible story. I mean, thanks for sharing that with us, but um, Mike, we're going to kind of talk about some of the things that have come along because of Go Route, and one of those things was you landed a spot on NFL's first and future contest in Houston last year during the Super Bowl. Um, could you talk us through like what yeah. that contest or what that um, whole experience was like and what it really did for your company? Yeah, so um, we actually caught wind of it about a year before we got in. Um, that was the first the, – our, when we were there in Houston, it was the second year the NFL had done this. Um, the year prior, they had started it with TechCrunch out in the Bay Area when the Super Bowl was in San Francisco. And what it is, is it's, it's basically a contest where the NFL is looking for technologies that can be disruptive and innovative to help move the game of football forward. And we, uh, we, were, re we were contacted by the group that was putting it on, um, Texas Medical Center. And they, they asked if we would be interested in applying to, uh, to see if the NFL would accept us into the, uh, into the competition. And so we said, yeah, absolutely, we applied. And there were 2,900 companies around the world that, um, that applied for, the, for this event in Houston last year, and they picked eight. And we were one of the eight. And, you know, when we got down there, I mean, it was just, first of all, it was such an honor to even be selected, right? The NFL handpicking you to at least come in and do something in front of a bunch of, uh, a bunch of owners and, and GMs and such. And, and what an intimidating room that is. Not only do you have four minutes to talk about, you know, whatever it is you're going to talk about, your, your product, where your business is going, what it's done to date, et cetera, but you can almost see the lines, right? There's the billionaires club, there's the, there's the multi-millionaires club, and then there's the rest of everybody else in the way, way back that you really can't see. <laughs> um, and 
you know, when we got down there, it was such a, it was such a whirlwind because obviously the Super Bowl is in town, right? So you had all those festivities, but we were there and they walked you right into an event where, you know, they're literally having you pitch and they're ripping apart your pitch and your presentation for 48 straight hours. I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that we probably said our presentation, our four minute presentation inside of that 48 hours, we probably said it 300 times. Um, You are just, it's, it's 14 hour days for those two days, the day before, and then you pitch on Saturday. And what, what that provided for us when we actually won that event, what it did for our business was astronomical. One, it provided us another level of validation, right? The NFL gave it a stamp of approval, um, at least from the, from, the, from the corporate legal offices. It gave us an insight and a direct input into all 30, you know, all 32 teams. And, and we've been able to start getting pilots and partnerships set up with teams around, around the league now because of that. And, te- you know, the teams are much more open to answering our phone calls and talking with us because the league has said this is something that you guys need to be looking into uh, to improve your practices, especially with all the things that they're doing now with the CBA, right? The shortened mini camp times, you know, the non-contact periods with the vet camps that they're in now, uh, all these different restrictions that they didn't have, you know, four or five, six years ago with the new collective bargaining agreement that's really restricted the time that they can spend on the field. Uh, our tool, the NFL saw as a real valuable tool to ensure the teams and the coaches can still get done what they need to get done while still protecting the players. And that was the ultimate end goal. And so it's opened a lot of those doors for us. But, you know, the other thing it's done, and from a business perspective, is it, it, it gives you a certain level of confidence, right? I mean, as a, as a small business, you know, there's so many, you know, trade winds that are in front of you that are, that are blowing against you, that are trying to knock you down. You get so many no's before you get to yeses that when you get a big yes like that from the NFL saying, this is something that, you know, is really worthwhile and that's, that's innovative, that is changing football. You know, from a, from a business perspective, from a personal perspective, it keeps giving you the motivation to keep fighting through some of those challenges and roadblocks that you run into. And, it did a lot for the obviously the morale of our organization, but and I think it, you know, I think from a from a from a from a practical perspective, looking outward, it showed a lot of teams that our technology is for real and that they ought to not only trust it, but they ought to really investigate if it's right for them and if it is, you know, that they should get on board. That's great stuff again, Mike. Um, we're gonna shift just a little bit more here. So if we were at the high school or, or a collegiate level program, and they were interested in adding go route um, to their to their football teams. What advice would you give them just just to get started? And are there any requirements or prerequisites for running go route? Yeah. So first thing I would do is tell goroute.com. Um, we have a great practice practice experience on there that lets them send in plays, and we have a local high school that. Uh, we were out there basically filming the, the, the plays with, and, and they were going through practice, but it gives you a sense of what it is. Um, you know, one of our biggest design philosophies at GoRoute is that we believe that technology should bend to the user. The user shouldn't have to adjust for technology. If you have to change everything about what you're doing to use a piece of technology, then what good is the technology? It's not enhancing what you're trying to get done day in and day out. It's becoming another 
step and another hindrance to what you're trying to achieve. And so we worked really, really hard to make sure that there weren't any prerequisites for teams to use our product. They can do whatever it is that they currently do. If you're a high school and you use huddle products, all the huddle playbook tools all import directly into our software system. You can send them directly out through our mobile application and our devices receive them just as if you were looking at them on your computer screen. They're gorgeous. They're full, fully colored. Um, you don't have to change a thing. You don't have to change the way you break film down or scout or draw your scout cards, anything. At the major college level and at the NFL level, a lot of guys still hand draw a lot of their cards. They'll use other software tools like Playmaker Pro or Vizio. Um, all of those technologies are compatible. Our, uh, our mobile application has a full scanning feature inside of it. So guys that, have, um, that do hand-drawn cards, they, can, they don't have to leave their desk. They can pull up our mobile application and just hit scan, and they can scan in as many as they want and import those cards directly into a period of their script. Um, so we tried to make sure that teams didn't have to change what they do to prepare to go out to practice to prepare for the week to use our technology. Our technology adapted to them. Um, and another part, a big part of that was the evolution too of our national network. Um, I can't tell you how big of an undertaking that was to do, but the value add that it provided our teams, because I, I'm sure you guys know, you guys are both coaches you know, when you get ready to go out and set up your game day sideline replay system, you're playing with routers, you're playing with local networking systems. Some days they work, some days they don't. They're fidgety, right? And now coaches have to be coaches and they have to be technicians and they have to have networking degrees and they have to think about all these different things. And we want to remove all of those items from our coaches' plates, our users' plates. And we wanted a reliable network where our technology can be built on top of whether you're, you know, sending in a play or that our devices are receiving a play that ensured that the coaches, A, never had to set something up, and B, never had to worry about going out to practice and is this technology going to work today? And so we built this national network, and it covers 96% of the United States at the moment. Uh, we have great partners. We're the only – company our size in the country that has this technology no one else has it um it's been licensed through the fcc it's our own private stuff and um you know last year we had over 200,000 plays sent through our system and using our technology is a three-step process you turn our devices on they connect to the network the coaches launch their mobile app on their sending device and they hit send you're practicing. And because of that, it doesn't add anything else to what the coaches are trying to get done day in and day out. And we wanted to make sure that we didn't have to rely on school IT departments, school Wi-Fi networks, local area networking systems. We didn't want to rely on individuals outside of the actual football coaches having to have to make decisions about how our technology is implemented. And because of that, we've eliminated the, all of those friction points that could arise between them using our technology and them being successful with our technology. Mike, how does a typical go-route subscription work, and what different plans are available, and what options and benefits does each one of those different plans have? 
Sure. So that's a great question. One of the things that we wanted to make sure of is every coach and every school, whether you're at FBS level or you're at a high school, everybody's needs and budgets are different. And we don't want to, one of the things that I absolutely hate, I hate with a visceral passion, the year over year subscription model. And this is why is because football, you know, outside of certain technologies, there's a lot of tools that aren't being used, you know, for good portions of the year in, in the technology space for football. And yet you're paying your subscription fee every year and you, whether you use all the features or not, there they are. You're paying for them. And I think that's a real waste of money. What we do is we allow teams to pick and choose their package size when they want to get started. Now, obviously, there's some averages, right? Our average high school teams buy between 11 and 13 units. Um, our average college team buys between 22 and 30. But the teams with us, they only pay for two things. They pay for the devices. They buy the devices up front. Um, and they pay for our access to our network. The access to the network, the co coaches have complete control of year over year. If you only want access for our network, for our devices to be on your network for four months a year, your August through November, that's all you pay for. If you want them for six months, you pay for six months of activity. You don't pay for software with us. You get unlimited storage and play uploading. You don't pay for any of our mobile applications. You don't pay for support with GoRoute. You buy your devices. You own them. They get a year, you, get a year, you get a year warranty on them, and you can buy an extended warranty if you choose to. And then you just pay for the net, the air, our GoRoute Air at network access year over year. So a lot of teams will get started with us for about $5,000. That's an 11 package. But teams can start with six or seven units for around three grand. We also just introduced um, this past week uh, a leasing option for, for teams. So teams can actually get started on a lease plan where they'll lease the technology for a season, and that'll be an 11 package, and, and that includes everything. We, we sell every when, – when you buy something from GoRoute, you get the full suite of tools, software, mobile applications, network space, et cetera. And uh, when teams lease from us, they get that same suite of products for the year, and at the end of the year, they have the option to buy at a lower price at another price point or they can return the product and lease it again next year if they choose so and the leasing options teams can get started for as little as two thousand um, dollars or go as high as about seventy five hundred and teams that are purchasing the system are buying it for five thousand and you know they're somewhere and then they can go as high as they want for as many units as they want so we want to make sure that all of our packages are extremely flexible and all they have year over year is their, 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 their network fee, their access fee for the systems, and they have complete control over it. So they only need to pay for what they need to use for the year. We don't charge them a single cent more. Well, that's great stuff, Mike. Uh, you talked about this at the very, very beginning, and we're going to kind of come back to it just a little bit about your ultimate goal, having a long-term yeah. goal but a short-term plan. What, what does GoRoute's ultimate long-term goal look like? Sure. Well, I'm, I'll tell you, our, our first long-term goal, our, our, our biggest goal right now is 
we're hoping that within the next two to four years, uh, we, we've, re- we've eliminated the need for coaches and teams to walk outside with paper and take them onto the field um, in terms of scout cards. We want to eliminate the need for any coach in the country to have to hold a scout card. And that's, that's, what we're num- that's the number one focus that we're, we're, we're working on right now. We're looking for always for ways to get our, 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 our hardware to be cheaper and more accessible for teams. And we're looking for ways to improve that process for teams. You know, and then long-term, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to become a, a company. We want to, our, our long-term goal is we want to become a company that teams look to for all of their on-field practice needs, whether it be, you know, play sending or, uh, you know, card drawing or, or some of these other types of technologies that you'd be, you, you, you would require. And I don't, pardon me, but I don't want to go too deep into some of the things that we have potentially coming out here in the, in the next year or so. But, um, you know, we want to really simplify and we really want to revolutionize how coaches think about practice and how they really think about technology. You know, there's a lot of other great companies that have done good things out there, right? Obviously, Huddle has done a lot of great stuff in the space. Um, there's some other smaller companies that are doing some really great things. Um, there's equipment companies that are doing things. And, and what we found is that our niche is really in the communication space. And, you know, we want to try to keep revolutionizing the way coaches and players communicate. You know, there's a lot of great tools out there that help coaches communicate with other coaches during practice or during during games or during this on the sidelines during games, but that coach, that coach to communication piece, we think there's a lot of room for, for disruption and advancement. And our goal is to be the, the long-term, you know, leader in, in providing those types of solutions in, in, in the practice environment. All right, Mike, now we're going to step a little bit away from, you know, all the great information that you've shared with us for GoRound. We're going to look at something that you kind of touched on earlier in our interview, and, and that's deep dish pizza. And according to your Twitter profile, you are a self-proclaimed deep dish pizza expert. So, first of all, can you elaborate more on for, more for us what gives you the insight as to what makes a good deep dish pizza? And then can you give us maybe your deep dish pizza rankings? Yeah, sure. Well, for me, deep dish pizza – is a love affair because it's the greatest meal you can eat, right? It's got <laughs> cheese, it's got meats, it's got as few vegetables as possible, it's got bread, it's got grease, it goes well with beer. Um, I mean, it's just it's got all the components. And the reason I think the reason I think I qualify as a deep dish pizza expert is because I've eaten deep dish everywhere. I've eat, I've had. People in New York make deep dish. I've been in Detroit and ate deep dish there. And I've eaten deep dish down in Texas. I've eaten deep dish um, here in Minnesota and out in California. And I've had a lot of exposure to it. And obviously being from Chicago, right, it's almost in your blood. We always make fun of that when you kick somebody from Chicago and you make them bleed, you don't see blood, you see marinara. (laughs) And, um, you know, a good deep dish pizza starts with a great golden crust, a good, hard, thick crust, because it's got to lock in everything. It's got to be able to support the, the weight. If you pull a piece of deep dish pizza out of, uh, out of the pan and it, your hand doesn't feel like it's going to slam to the counter, they didn't do it right. It needs to be heavy and thick. 
and full of calories. And it starts with a good crust and a solid base and, you know, three solid inches of mozzarella and provolone cheese with good, great, spicy Italian sausage and pepperoni and onion and maybe some green pepper and then a good, thick layer of marinara gravy on top and cooked for about 25 to 30 minutes so that crust gets nice and golden. You slide it out. You throw it on the table. You have a beer or two, and at the end of a slice or two, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get up from the table. That is the ideal meal, at least in my my book. And trust me, the scale proves it. <laughs> um, my uh, I, I would say my rankings are are, are pretty straightforward. I, I think that um, it, you know, again, being a Chicago guy, being a Chicago native, for me, it starts at Giordano's. I think they're the best. Uh, Lou Malinati's in Chicago is outstanding. Uh, Bella Bikino's is awesome. Uh, I would say they're probably number t- number two or three with Lou Malinati's. Um, Chicago Pizza and Oven Grinder has an amazing pie. Um, so those, I would say, if I had to go back, if I had to go back home, Giordano's, Lou Malinati's, uh, Bella, and probably probably Chicago Pizza and Oven Grinder would be my four rankings and. If you're traveling to the Chicagoland area and you need something to do, go eat. Go eat at those places. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're gonna be a little lighter in the wallet, but you're gonna walk out really heavy in weight. That's gonna be great. We have a tradition here at uh, Intentionally Grounded, Mike, of having our guests pick a walk-up song as if you were a professional baseball player or a or a professional wrestler. Um, you you picked Radioactive by Imagine Dragons, and we want you to just to tell our listeners a little bit about. Uh, why you pick that song as your walk-up song and, and your introduction to your podcast will obviously play that. And tell us how you picked that song and, and why. Yeah, so I, I just I just really love the song. I think it's it's hard-hitting. It's got a little bit of bass to it. Um, I think the lyrics are pretty catchy. Um, it feels kind of like a, um, a song that, you know, maybe another tech person would, would, would kind of come out to. I think about, like, some of those big Steve Jobs Apple presentations. It sounds like a song that might be played for him if he were to walk out on stage. So I don't know. I just I like Imagination Dragons too, uh, or Imagine Dragons. So it's just one of those things where it's just a good song and, and what the hell? Let's just go with it. If you found this podcast helpful, please take the time to go and leave a review either on Stitcher or iTunes and let us know what you think.